0: Um, we're in a series right now called Freedom, and this is a 13-week series that we've been doing, and so some of you that are joining in today for the first time, you're jumping right into the middle of a series with us, and so this series is a book that we are doing together as a church, and I gotta say, it's super powerful. This book is a book of deliverance it it really is a book of freedom and it's it's healing in the inner man and so many of us in our relationship with God i don't know where you are if you're visiting for the first time i'm just talking to visitors um but uh, on the journey that we have with God it can be difficult to love God not because he's not easy to love but because of the crazy amount of pressure that we put on ourselves. And so this book, man, has been so fantastic. Our staff did it last year together, and we went through a time. This whole book will culminate with a day of worship and prayer that we're going to invite everyone to come through, and uh, we'll pray it'll be a day of prayer. And so we don't have child care that day because it's going to be intense. I mean, we I don't know how to watch kids for eight hours. I don't know how the school systems do it. If you don't pray for the school systems, you should. It's crazy. And so, uh, but it's going to be a day of worship and prayer and it will be powerful. I mean, like, it will be powerful. And the stuff that's happening is we we've been discussing this on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights as we gather in connect groups. We've been going over this. And just this Wednesday, again, I mean, it's like, it's so powerful. So I did this... A year ago, I'm reading it before I I do this message, and I'm going through it again and again and again and again, and I'm telling you, there has been so much healing in my life in my view of God. So anyways, this breaks up into three sections, and uh, the first section is dealing with two trees, two choices in our life that originated in the Garden of Eden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the tree of life and talking about how in everywhere that we go in life there are basically two options and the option that adam and eve ran into is the same option that we ran into in that this choice that can be selfish we don't realize it in the moment but that choice can bring shame guilt insecurity condemnation this this desire to strive and very unachieving and it somehow we we cover this ourselves and we mask all of these Pains in our life, uh, and I don't know why that mankind does this, but Adam did it in the garden, and we do it right now. These feelings in our life that God does not want in our life, some, for some reason, we cover it, and I don't know why, but I think if we attack it, we can break through it. And so anyways, the tree of life was one that desired to um, kind of create confidence and security and boldness and reassurance. And I mean, the tree of life is one that's so funny because in our relationship with God, in my, let me, in my relationship with God, many times I think that I have to do more to get to God. But in all of that, I get so frustrated that I don't read the Bible enough, God, or I don't pray enough, or I don't do enough outreach for you, or I don't tell enough people about your kingdom and, and I'm beating myself up. And, I, and all I know is as a father, I never want my child to feel like he needs to do anything more to be loved by me. But we feel like we haven't done enough. Like when she's saying we can sing louder, she's not saying if you don't sing louder, you're a bad child. What she's saying is there's moments where we can let it it air out. There's stuff going on. Let it air out. Let it come out. And so anyways, as a father, I just know you don't have to do more to get to God. He is doing everything he can to claim you and let you know that you are perfect as you are, that you are His, and, and man, it's awesome. Good God. Anyways, that was the first section, right? And so we're starting the new section, and as we start this new section, um, it breaks down into this. Now we're talking about blockages of our heart. This is what the second section is. The blockages of our heart is basically saying There are a few things that we can get in the way of our relationship with God that can really screw up the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. I find this to be so true. And so today, what I'm going to talk about, I can almost guarantee as a pastor and as a son of God, this is one of the quickest ways to bring breakthrough into your life. I'm gonna, last week, we talked about control, and we talked about surrender, and we talked about how like learning to allow the move of God in your life is learning how to trust God, learning how to let go of control. This is really difficult in the world that we live in. If, if you didn't tune in last week, uh, the podcast is up on the app on our website, and you can listen in. And I, I am, it's, it's killing me uh, how much I didn't realize I control stuff. And people around you won't grow as long as you're controlling everything they're doing. If you're micromanaging, you just got to let go. And I'm learning that is, it is a move of God to just go, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Okay, here we go, today's service. Uh, we're going to start today, we're going to text in, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get going. If you're new here, this is how we do attendance. We text in, we have a phone number that we're going to put on the, on the screen, and that was an awesome sneeze right there. That was fantastic. That was one of my favorites. If you would text in seven 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 thirty five twenty, 3520 then we'll know you're here. If you don't want anyone to know you're here, don't text in. If you do text in, um, someone will text you back and uh, ask you a few questions. You can answer them back even while I'm preaching. I won't be offended. Why is that guy always reading his phone the whole time? Because you're texting the church, man. Anyways, um, they will. Uh, you'll end up being a recipient of uh, a few cool little gifts at the back of the church after service. And so uh, welcome to The Way. We're super glad you're here. This is a life-changing message. I'm not lying. It's about the blockages of the heart. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, help. Amen. Okay, so here we go. Um, So The Blockages of the Heart is about um, this guy, this pastor who wrote this book. He talked about how one time he went and did like all these sermons and he was preaching and everything was really, really good. And then after he was done, he was so excited. He went golfing with some friends and he's golfing and he's having this good time and he's winning. And then after the golf course, he gets in this car and he goes for this long drive. And while he's in this car drive, he realizes that he's having this anxiety attack. And this anxiety attack is coming on stronger and, stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And then all of a sudden he feels like he's having a, he, he can't feel his arm and he doesn't understand why he can't feel his arm and he can't get rid of this anxiety attack. And what he's realizing is that someone, they, they called the paramedics and they told him, you're having a heart attack. And uh, they had to do all this research and they had to go in through his like leg to look at his heart and all this stuff. And they were, they found these blockages. And what he realized is that life has a way of showing you symptoms that doesn't look like what you think is telling you that something's wrong. And uh, and so his symptom of his dead arm didn't feel like a heart attack. But life has symptoms, and sometimes when you slow down, they hit you hard. And sometimes those symptoms look like your finances are a mess, Jack, and you didn't realize it until your tire blew on your car. And then you realized, I don't have things in order. You don't realize it, that your marriage is on the rocks until... Uh, all of a sudden they move out, you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, wow, this is this is actually a lot worse than I thought it was, you know? And so what happens is, is life as a way of telling you things are wrong. And with that being said, we're going to jump into this. I'm really excited about it. If you're new, I get really enthusiastic about things, and I'm sorry. I just really, I love God a lot, and uh, I get excited, and I feel like this. Jesus changed my life, and this message here changed my life. This is one of my favorite messages And uh, instead of doing, I I look, um, I can't, I'm just going to go into it. Uh, A brother wronged, uh, this is uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19. It says, "A a brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. A brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. I can tell you that this is so, so true. Someone that is offended, someone that is hurt, someone that has been let down, man, what happens is the walls go up. And when the walls go up, walls are designed not just to keep everything in safe, but it's to not let anything else in. And I'll tell you, like, the only thing that works sometimes is, and I'm sorry, (coughs) excuse me, But when the walls that keep good in, also it prevents more good from coming in. And so what I've realized is that many of us, man, this is the problem in America. If you don't know it, I'm telling you right now, this is like truth, truth, truth. We are guarded. We are some of the most guarded people I've ever met in my life. When I was in Honduras a couple years ago, we had a busload of people, literally, literally. 45 Americans on the bus, and we were driving through town, and we were lost. We were trying to get to an outreach site, and everyone on the bus had to go to the bathroom. When I say everyone, I mean like a lot of people. Out of 47 people, like 35, right? You could say everyone. And so we just randomly, they, they. this is what they did in Nicaragua. This would never work in the U.S. They just stopped the bus, and someone got out and knocked on someone's door and said, Can these 37 people come in and use your bathroom? (laughs) I'm lying. Am Am I lying? You were there, Melinda. They had one toilet in the whole house. That whole neighborhood, maybe only four of them had plumbing. This lady had plumbing. And they let 37 people into their house. We stood in line one at a time. Just, it stank so bad in that bathroom, you don't know. And this lady was so kind, not only did she allow all of us to use her bathroom, but she made us food while we were there. And it was, you know what the hardest part was? Not only could we not, we were refusing her, ma'am, don't do it, ma'am, don't do it. We weren't allowed to eat it. Because it would, it could give us actually sick for weeks because their food is not something that we can all just handle. Our stomachs don't handle it. And this lady's just cooking for a bus load of people. We are a guarded people. And we're a guarded people because... We have learned how to protect ourselves. And uh, man, I, I, I hate that, I hate that, I hate that, I hate that you've had problems in your life that you've guarded yourself from. But you've got to learn to trust the Lord. All I know is that I gave my heart to Jesus a long time ago, and he's allowed people into my life that he said, hey, look, man, you're going to have to love them. You're going to have to let them in. You're going to have to let them know what's going on in your life. And it's terrible. I do this every week. I put my heart on the stage, and I'm like, okay, here we go. I got to get into this. So one of the reasons why it's, it's is it hard, this message is about forgiveness. And uh, I know that there's people in your life that have hurt you. I know that there's people in your life that have let you down. And the reality is, is as I begin to talk about this, some of you are, will be reminded of your family. Some of you will be reminded of your parents. Some of you will be reminded of your children. Some of you will be reminded of your coworkers. Some of you will be reminded of your spouses. And I'll tell you, when someone hurts you, the closer they are, the deeper it cuts, man. And many of us have ignored the situation and we realize this is what happens. This is why America is so gross, why the divorce population is so high. Because we've learned, I don't need you. And so we just start life over again. But we don't deal with what's actually going on. Like what's really going on is I'm hurting. And I don't know how to say that is that I'm, I'm just hurting. It may not even be all your fault, but I don't know how to deal with this hurt. So we just start over. And we feel like if we just walk away from mom and dad, we can move hundreds of miles away, and I'm a grown adult now. I don't need them. But no, you have hurt, and you have to deal with that. The people that let you down, I'm telling you, I, I, I didn't have a father as, a, as I was growing up. This isn't even part of my, I haven't gotten my message yet, I'm sorry. I didn't have a father growing up. So the people that hurt me was my, was my pastor. I remember my pastor was like a father. He was a friend. He was some of the closest people in my life. And you guys have, may have had ministry people that have let you down. You have to learn how to forgive. Otherwise, you'll have this blockage in your heart. And God wants you to know how to love and trust and open up again. And so today, we're going to open up some of those things. And I'm going to ask you to forgive. This was not part of what I was going to say, but I did put it in my notes, Lee. There's a verse, uh, I believe it's Matthew chapter 6, verse 15, and here's the reason why. If I don't get to anything else today, this is what you got to know. Matthew chapter 6, verse 15, if you do not forgive others of their sins, then your Father won't forgive you of your sins. It's... Like God loves so unconditionally, but there are things, there are conditions that He wants you to understand. Why? Because He's designed you to be a son and daughter, and now you're a mirror to this generation. One of the reasons why people hate church so much is because people that have gone to church and represent Jesus have misrepresented Jesus because we don't understand how to love like God. And so when we as the church do not forgive other people, what happens is we grow in life thinking that our opinion is actually greater than the opinions that matter. And it's terrible. And so we're willing to sacrifice other people's feelings for the sake of our pride. And it's a terrible thing. If you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you of yours. And so today as we talk about forgiveness, I'm sorry I am stepping on your toes. I realize that, but I'm actually talking about healing for you. I'm actually talking about a way for you to experience a move of God like you've never experienced before in your life. I'm, I'm sorry, what I'm actually talking about is like you, are, I'm a doctor and you broke your leg. And in order for me to fix it, we've got to break it. And I know it sucks and I know it hurts and I know you don't want anyone to talk about what dad did and how how terrible they were to you. I'm sorry. I know it hurt you. I'm here to tell you that I know the guy that loves me, he went through a lot of pain to get to me also. Jesus went through hell and I did it to him. And he displayed affection like no one else on earth. You have to understand that God loves you when you didn't love him. I know forgiveness is hard. I have wept. I have cussed. I have argued. I have been so, that I've lost sleep over people that I loved that did me wrong. And I realized in those moments that I was the only prisoner. Unforgiveness is only holding you captive. You've got to let go. If you're a father in this room and you have unforgiveness to your father, you have to break the cycle. You have to break the cycle. I'm sorry, I get so excited about it. Here are reasons why we struggle to forgive. One, we have the wrong idea of what forgiveness is. Um, one, uh, forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. I think, um, I, I know a lot of people, and some even go to this church we say this so often that it's okay. It's not a big deal. It's, it's okay. It's not a big deal. It's, it's okay. It's not a big deal. No, it is a big deal. You, you got your feelings hurt. Like that's a big deal. Like, and, and, and so we have a generation right now that is so caught up in getting their feelings hurt that they're filing lawsuits against people because like, it's a big deal. Like, I'm sorry. I care about how you feel. We have to learn how to empathize like hurt stinks. Forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. Uh, it's not forgetting what happened. Here's a hard thing. So, like, I, I, I've, it's not possible for you to forget pain. Like, Like, watch this. A hot stove. You all feel it? A broken heart. You all feel it? You ever cried at night yourself to sleep because you loved someone so much that didn't love you back? You feel it. It's real. You can't forget what happened. You can't forget what was said. But you can not live in the past. And that's what's so important. When Jesus said that, like, if you will follow me, anyone who follows me and, and puts his hand to the plow but looks back isn't fit for my kingdom. Because you're a leader. And if you're constantly living in the past, you're, 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 not, you're not plowing in the right direction. Try this this afternoon. As you're going down 98, try only looking in the rearview mirror to see if you're driving in the right direction. <laughs> Bad advice? Probably. But many of us, we live in because of what happened and we get so angry and so hurt that now, so men are good at, we forget, we put it behind us we just won't ever put ourselves in a position like that again. And both are wrong. We've got to deal with what happened and let it go. Hmm. I feel like this is good. Forgiveness is—it doesn't necessarily mean that there has to be reconciliation. So God loves reconciliation. This is something that moves God beyond everything. But just because you forgive someone that is, is, is in the past doesn't mean that you have to be BFFs with them. And sometimes they may not even be alive anymore. And we'll take it to the grave, it hurts so bad. I'm, I'm, hmm. So we struggle to forgive because we have the wrong idea of what forgiveness is. Uh, point number two, and, and we struggle to forgive, we don't think it's fair. That's why we struggle to forgive, because we think that they deserve forgiveness to be unforgiven. You know, like, I'm, gonna for, I'm not going to forgive them until they come begging for it. Like, until they come to me and say, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have said what I said, I, I shouldn't have left you there, I shouldn't have walked out on you, or I shouldn't. then I'm going to hold it against them until they beg me for it. It's not fair that I let them go. They shouldn't be able to just get away with it. Like, they stole something from me, and I shouldn't just allow them to get away with it. Does that make sense? This is, this, is, this is one of the reasons why we struggle to forgive. But the problem is, is that forgiveness is not letting the offender off the hook. It's letting you become free. So here's what happens. Let's say, for example, Bill says, you know, Tim, your message was stinky today. It was terrible. And I'm like, oh, man, it hurts. It's cut so deep and i get mad at bill and what i think about you know this is what we do when someone hurts us is we think bill's a terrible person and we label him bill's bad bill equals bad and we think to ourselves and and so when other people talk about bill we may not say it but man we think it and so but what's the problem where am i going with this in my notes it's not letting the offender off the hook You, you The more that I think that Bill is a problem because of something that he said, the more grossness that I'm only creating in my heart. And what happens is is I'm viewing him as in he's in chains, as if like my opinion somehow changes the world that he lives in, but it's not changing anything. In fact, all it's doing is building a cancer inside of me. You know one of the reasons why everyone loves Alicia? Alicia, can you just wave? She's so embarrassed right now. When you meet someone that has just love all in them, joy all in them, they've championed this subject. They don't let things linger in their heart. I, there's people, Howard, he'll, he'll, I'm sorry Howard, I gotta uh, say, I got I'm sorry dude. Howard will text me and be like, hey Tim, uh, remember when we talked three weeks ago about like um, going to the zoo? I'm making this up right now. I just want you to know I'm really sorry about if you got anything because I just was praying and I was thinking about he won't allow anything to fester in his heart. If it's gross in him, he's, uh, no, nope, I won't live with that. I love you, I bless you, you're good, we're good, hope everything's good. It's people that allow those things to fester. It changes your opinion. I got to keep going. Forgiveness is not returning to God the right to take care of justice. No. Forgiveness is returning to God the right to take care of justice. We don't think that it's fair to forgive someone. Like if Greg's done me wrong, I want to have unforgiveness to him. But what forgiveness really is is me looking to God and saying, God, you can deal with him. I turn him over to you. I love him. I bless him. He's yours. It's so freeing. And God is so much bigger, wiser, stronger, smarter. He knows how to deal with things. Like, God, you can deal with it. I actually... My unforgiveness doesn't change his life. Okay, here I have to keep going. I'm gonna read you a passage of story, and I think that this is really, really important, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get faster here as we go. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 35. Phil, how many times did Jesus say we must forgive our brothers? Well, 70 times seven. Seventy times seven? But what? Big Big number. (laughs) So the words of the wisest man that's ever walked the face of the earth, I want you to know that this teaching, this Christian teaching right here by Jesus, like the guy, the savior of the earth, it's also the same teaching that Gandhi would teach. It's the same teaching that Buddhists would teach. It's the same teacher today that doctors will actually tell you that unforgiveness will, can create disease in your body. Like, it's, forget that it's Christian, that Jesus is saying this right now. Just know that unforgiveness is unhealthy for you. If Oprah Winfrey teaches this, y'all know it should be good, right? Uh, listen, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, listen, here, here's what we got to say. You got to know this is important for you. Like it's not just wisdom. It's everything we need to understand. Like this is God's will for your life today. It's a blockage in your heart. and You can find freedom with it. Here we go. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse uh, 23, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him $10,000, and that he was not able to pay. But his master commanded to him that he be sold him and his wife and his children in all the land, that the payment be made. That's terrifying. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, please have patience with me. I will pay you all. The master looked at him and looked at the servant and was moved with compassion, and he released him and he forgave him of his debt. Man, the master knows, look, you ain't going to be able to pay this, but I think you're a good dude. You're forgiven. What a great day! I mean, that's fantastic. The guy goes out. He's singing. He's happy. Verse 28, but the servant went out, and he found one of his fellow servants who happened to owe him a 100 bucks, and he laid his hands on him and and took him by the throat, and he said, laid hands on him. This isn't what we're going to do in the altar. This dude took him by the throat. Okay, here we go. He said, pay me what you owe me, Jack, and so his servant fell down at his feet and begged him, and he said, please have patience with me, and I'll pay you all that I owe and he wouldn't, but he and he would not. But he went and he threw him into prison and to tell him to pay his debt. And then, so then there was these other servants that saw what happened, and they were grieved, and they came to the master, and told him all that had been done. And the master, after he had uh, called him, he said to him, "You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not go and have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you?" And his master was angry and he delivered him over to the torturers. Here's the deal it's so important that you understand this. I'm begging you, as a pastor, as a representation of the church, please fight to get better at this. People need to see mercy come from you beyond everything. Your opinion doesn't matter as much. Let it go. Please love people. Please love people. Please love people. Embrace people. I know that you don't agree with everything. I know there's a lot of weird stuff going on. People have different sexual preferences than you. It's okay. Love them. Like them. Please know that their mom is praying for them. They're praying for you to show up in their life and be consistently godly and patient with them. If God is sitting on the throne who loves them more than you do, can be patient with them, you can too. And you can withhold your opinion for a couple minutes enough to show them grace. Love, love, love covers a multitude of sins. And I say that because you need love. And if you can receive it, maybe they could. The third reason why we struggle to forgive is because we don't think we can. But I, I, I'm, I'm taking this right out of the book today, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, Paul is praying about this problem he's got in his life, the Apostle Paul, right, like someone like way more godly than us. I want you to know if you can struggle with any area in your life and you see it, the Apostle Paul struggling, you're all right, you're all right. So the Apostle Paul's got this issue in his life and he can't get rid of it, he's asking, God, please take it from me, God, please take it from me, God, please take it from me, and he's not. And Jesus speaks to him and he says this. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Those of you that have an an unforgiveness towards someone, I know that it can be really difficult to let it go. I'm telling you, I have literally, there was a season in my life where I had unforgiveness towards someone. I remember crying multiple hours during the day. I'd be driving down the road crying. I'd hear a song while I'm at a restaurant, and I'd start crying. I'm not lying. It hurt me deep. There's been times where my spouse hurt me, and I cried. There's some people that it's going to be hard for you to forgive, but you've got to learn this, that in the moments that it's most difficult his power there, right there, is actually waiting to do something that's a miracle, because the world that we live in doesn't lack like this. It takes a miracle to forgive something of something that you don't deserve to be treated like that. That's the way the enemy's going. You you deserve so much better. They shouldn't talk to you like that. All right, I got to keep going here. Forgiveness is is forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. You're not going to feel like letting this go. But you got to make a decision, and your heart will follow. I don't love going to work Monday through Friday. I make the choice, and my heart will follow. It's a choice. You decide it today, and then the process starts. But, man, so many things can happen in a moment. The, for, uh, the forgiven forgive. Come, let us settle this matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like a scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, and though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, then you'll eat the good of the land. What I realized, the good of the land, there's nothing more liberating. I, I, um, I've told this story before, and I'm going to say it quickly here for the sake of time, because I've still got a lot of material to go over. I remember when my dad, uh, my daddy uh, was a heroin addict, and um his sins still affect my family today. My brother's fiance just died of heroin last year. My daddy um, was an alcoholic, and um, I was an alcoholic, and I used a lot of drugs in my life. And I, I, I didn't care. My dad, I didn't care. I cared. I didn't care. Well, but I cared. And I didn't care about my stepdad, and I learned to not care about my other stepdad, and I learned to not care about my mom, and I learned to not care, and I learned to not care a lot but I cared, and I remember the first time when I was a Christian and I got the phone call about a man that I hadn't known in more than 12, 14 years that he was in a coma, and he was dying. I don't even know this man, and I'm brought to tears because I care, because you care, because it's, it's somehow you're entwined, you're together. I know the pains that you got, it hurts, it's real. It's real. But the good of the land was the day that I let go. Because all of a sudden I thought like my dad was such a jerk. He was, such a, he was so selfish. I couldn't believe he walked out on his family. I couldn't believe he would beat my mom like that. I couldn't believe he would beat my brother. He was a jerk. He was so blah, blah, And you know who the only person that was struggling with all of that opinion was me? And You. And there was nothing like the liberty that happens the moment that I let go of Him. It was like pounds fell off my back. Like I had been carrying a weight for decades. And you can let it go. And the Holy Spirit comes. And it starts with a decision. I'm talking about the bondages of the heart, the blockages of the heart. And I think unforgiveness, man, is one that will... If you clear this thing up, you'll have the Holy Spirit flowing in your life all day long. Get rid of bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander among every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate toward another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. You see, just, uh, I'm going to go off topic here again, I'm sorry. There's this passage in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, where Jesus is he's on the cross, right? And he looks down from heaven and he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I think it's absolutely crazy when he prays that. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. You know what's crazy about it? Is they knew what they were doing. The Roman centurion, they knew what they were doing. They knew they were crucifying Jesus. And he's praying, Father, they don't know what they're doing. The Pharisees knew what they were doing. They knew they were crucifying Jesus. He's praying, they don't know what they're doing. You know what I know is that in times of of my heart, sometimes I've said some terrible things to my wife. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew what I was doing. But I didn't know what I was doing. You don't know the destruction it's going to cause. You don't, you don't know those things. And people have done some terrible things in this room. And some people have done some terrible things to you. Forgive them for they don't not what they do. I was talking to my son this week. And uh, my wife has an ability of digging things out of him. I don't know how she does it, but she digs these things out of him. And we were talking about at school right now. He's, he's seven years old. And uh, my son at, at school right now, there's some kids that were teasing him this week. And I don't know if you've ever been through school, but kids can be hateful. You know what I'm talking about? Children are hateful. And... Uh, not my kid, you know. <laughs> Other kids. But they were saying, hey, you don't have no friends. No one likes you, Micah. And, uh, and we're trying to help him understand, you know, they just say things, but they don't mean it. And try, he's got to try to filter that truth. Like, what is that? Where is the line? Because he he's got to go back to school the next day and love them because he's on the mission field. My goal in my life is to raise up a man of God that will go out and win souls. And in seventh grade, I, want, I hope that he learns how to love those people. So somehow he's got to open his heart to let them back in. Because if he's not going to be Jesus to him, who's going to? If you can't love your coworker or your boss that's a jerk to you, who's going to? You're Jesus. And so it's, the idea is that you have to learn how to reflect this love and grace. I need you to. The gospel needs you to. Paul, who gave his life, needs you to. Like, this is the hope, is that the world will know that we're Christians by our love for one another. Right? Right? Amen. Amen. Okay, here we go. I'm going to keep going. I got the foot out that time. It was so good. Okay, here we go. I've got to finish this. I've got to say this. Yep, this is important. All right, so one of the books that I ever read, if you struggle with this, this subject, there's a book you can write it down. You can tell your wife to buy it, whatever. It's called uh, The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. And I'll tell you, it's one of the greatest books I've ever read in my life. Set me free. It's so, so good. The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. The, what Satan does, it's a trap. So you have to know that the enemy does exist just like God exists. Many of us are willing to believe in God, but we're not willing to believe in the devil. Okay? And so what hunters used to do back in the day, and hunters still do now, is they find ways to trap people into scenarios as uh, bait. And hunters would dig a hole, and they'd put sticks on top of the hole and cover it with branches and throw a piece of meat on there. And an animal would come by, and they'd see that, and they'd step on the branch, and they'd fall to their death, and it'd be a very easy kill. And if they killed them in the hole, there'd be blood in there, it'd be good. They'd just set the trap again and, and get another animal later. It was a trap. Traps is happening that the enemy is doing to you all the time, and whether you buy into it or not, whether you bite that trap will determine the freedom that you walk in for the rest of the day. And so things will happen, and what happens is our mind has a tendency to get snared on a situation that's not a big deal. Here's what I've learned. Uh, I'm going to talk about my wife because it's the easiest. I'm just making up a story because I am married, and this story did not happen. I'm just making up. But if my wife was to leave her socks, like, on the kitchen table, you know, man, it's so gross. You know, it's terrible. What a terrible human being would do that. You know what? I'm going to be Christ-like, and I'm going to forgive her of those socks, and I'm going to take it off, and I'm going to wash those socks for her because I love her. And then on the way to the washer, if I was to trip over her jacket, there, oh, go it. Her jacket. What, what kind of a person you hang up a jacket? And this is she has experienced this. I'm actually talking prophetically from her eyes right now, just so you know. <laughs> and, so, and so, on the way to the washer to hang up her jacket, if one other thing happens, that's where I'm, I'm caught, I'm snagged, I can't get any further. I've bought the reality that my wife is a terrible human being and her life is awful and everything is and we get trapped into this. And our whole mindset now is not love. It's how right we are and how our perspective is right and how no one understands that somehow now I'm a victim because socks were left in the wrong place and a jacket wasn't supposed to be there and a toothbrush somehow ended up on the couch and like, what is going on? This is a ra-. We're missing it. And these are the little things that's happened to you at work over staples, you know? All right. I thought that was important. It's the enemy. It's a trap game and you can't fall trap to it. Unforgiveness does not mean that you have to revert to being the victim. Withholding forgiveness is the refusal to let go of perceived power. Somehow you think that you're stronger because you have control over your opinion. But actually it'd be a lot stronger to let go and to let that person walk. That would be true strength. Withholding forgiveness is the refusal to let go of perceived power. I'm going to start closing here. I'm gonna go, I got six points and I'm done. Literally, I'm going to read it to you and I'm done. Here's the way that uh, living an unoffended life. The reason why this is hard to talk about is because it's so close to all of our lives. I know you're dealing with it. Because you got skin on Living the undefended life. Recognize your own imperfections. It's a great way to live in a, 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 an undefended life. Oh, by the way, I, I, I watched this sermon, uh, and this guy was talking about. It was really cool. He said that um, all offense does is create separation. And this is what we do as Americans. We like having a fence up. So no one can see what we're doing behind that fence. And that, all that fence does is divide me and my neighbor. Yeah. And that's what your fence is doing. It's doing a great job. And no one knows what's going on on the other side of that fence. You gotta let them walls down, man. An offense creates a fence. I like it. Anyways, uh, an unoffended life, one, you recognize your own imperfections. Two, focus on the real enemy. Focus on the reality that there is an enemy that is lying to you, that is trying to hold you in bondage. Yeah. The third... Receive the love of God. If he loves you when you're an idiot, why wouldn't they need to receive that same grace? Here's the next set of three. Forgiveness is an, uh, forgiveness in action looks like this. If you were to execute this today, this is what it would look like. Pray for those who offended you. It's hard. If it's your dad, if it's your mom, if it's your spouse, this is what it looks like. It doesn't look like complaining to God. It it looks like, God, help them. Bless them. Move in their life. Give them strength and courage. And it it goes beyond what's happening with you and them. And you think about them for a second. And you pray for them. Pray for a financial blessing in their life. (laughs) <laughs> that's when you're really praying for someone. You don't know what? If you wish your enemy to get rich, you really care about them in that moment. I'll tell you right now. All right. Number two, forgiveness in action. Pray for those who offended you. Number two, bless those who offended you. What that looks like is when their name comes up, you say something great about them. It's hard to do. It's hard to think of something great about someone that you think so little of. <laughs> Lift them up. The reality is is that God loves them, is crazy about them, and thinks they're pretty awesome. So you can learn to lift your eyes to a better perspective of them. Does that make sense? The third one, pray for them, bless them, and do good to them. I want to challenge you. If there's someone that maybe it's not close to home, it's just a kind of enemy, buy them something. Buy them lunch Get them a McDonald's gift card this week, you know. Hey, just wanted you to know I'm sorry for being a butt. I love you. And that's Christ-like. I'm done. We're going to close. Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes for a second? I'm so glad that I'm here, and I'm so glad that we're talking about this blockage of our heart. I'm so glad that I'm talking about this because I I am 100% convinced that many of you right now have a really hard time thinking well of someone that's close to you, and I believe that God wants to do something in your life with it. I think he wants to restore your view of them in the same way that he's restored you. If there's someone here in this room, and you would say, you know what, I have an issue with someone in my life, and I'm having a hard time letting go, I want you to know I identify with you. But I want to say a quick prayer for you with no one looking, with every eye closed and every head bowed. I just want to say a blanket prayer for you. Would you raise your hand? That is awesome. There's about 50 people who got their hands up right now. I'm thankful that you're honest. And I want you to know, not only do I care about that, I can promise you that your the lover of your soul cares about that. And that's awesome. And your healing is a process. It's a choice today, and healing will come in a process of you learning how to pray for them and bless them. One more thing before we close. If you're here today and you have not experienced the love of God, you're here today. And you're the prisoner. And you don't know God's love for you. Can I say a prayer for you? Will you raise your hand right now? Awesome. Would you uh, reach across the aisles and uh, and grab someone's hand? We've done this about twice in this whole year, so it's a special occasion today. Since we're doing everything different, we're just going to do it different one more time. You don't have to literally reach across the aisles if you don't want to, but I was just like, just grab someone's hand. Here we go. I'm going to pray. God, teach us how to love. Teach us how to care. Teach us how to love. Teach us how to care. Teach us how to love. Teach us how to care. Jesus, teach us how to love. Teach us how to care. Teach us how to love. Teach us how to care. In Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you so much for coming. We'll see you next week. Wednesday night.